Well, hey, church, my name is Josh Walters. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. So glad that you are here to worship with us this morning, whether you are here at the Mount Pleasant campus, online, or one of our other campuses, wherever you may be. It's an exciting weekend at Seacoast. That's because we've got some family at our Irmo campus celebrating their 20th anniversary. Can we celebrate the Irmo campus? All God has done there. Man, I remember when I was a student pastor at a church in Irmo, always hearing about Seacoast. Jeff Kenny was the campus pastor there at that time. Lynn Stroy, who many of you know, was on staff at the Irmo campus at one point. Just a long legacy of amazing leaders of service and sacrifice. It is awesome to think it's been going on for 20 years. So we celebrate that with you. We're going to take just a moment and, and pray for them before we get started. But also want to take just a moment for us to pray uh, for Israel. Psalm 122.6 says to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And many of you have asked, what can I do? What are we doing? And the two things I want to share with you are to, to pray and to partner. Uh, Israel is God's chosen nation of all the places in the world. It was the place he chose to appear, the place he will return for his children. And so we want to pray for peace in the midst of evil, believing that God can show up in power. But also want you to know that there's several people we're partnering with. We're partnering with King of Kings Church in Jerusalem, as well as Convoy of Hope that are showing up on the ground to help care for the innocent. So if you'd like to give to support them in any way, you can text any amount, text Israel plus any amount to 320-320, and all of those proceeds will go to uh, protecting the innocents and, and advancing the kingdom there. So let's pray for them, pray for our time together, and we'll get started. God, I thank you so much just for the breath in our lungs and the opportunity to gather as a church family, whether it's in a room or a living room, wherever we might be. And we just ask, God, that you would show up in power today, not only that we would experience you, but that we would feel you, that you would move in our hearts as you move in this place. God, we pray for Jerusalem right now as you tell us to. We pray for the peace of Israel. God, would you fight against evil? Would you show up? In power. Uh, we know that the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective, and so we humbly ask you to move in power and usher in peace. We commit those to you that are there. We pray that you would comfort the hurting and that you would push back the darkness. May your kingdom come, your will be done. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, hey, last week we kicked off a four week series called Acts Encountering. The Holy Spirit. And one of the things Pastor Josh did as he got started was have us raise our hands to kind of identify with our denominational background. I grew up Southern Baptist. Let me see how many folks in the room grew up Baptist. See hands going up around the room. My wife uh, grew up Methodist. What about Methodist? Let's see some hands going up. There we go. So, so those two kind of backgrounds and perspectives was what it looked like for us coming together, you can imagine. So I grew up at my church. It was a large Baptist church that I loved, but the book of Acts was referred to as the book of one-time occurrences, uh, meaning that <laughs> some of y'all laugh. It's kind of funny. Yeah, so I didn't realize that at the time. And so uh, that's just what I thought. Okay, well, one time when the Spirit was first given to the apostles, Spirit was poured out. We see miracles happen, amazing things happen in them and through them. It was limited to that book, but not something that you or I should expect to, to see in our everyday life, much less usher in to the lives of others. Well, that's what I always thought until I went to college. And Katie and I 
uh, met my freshman year, the summer after our freshman year, uh, there was an event called One Day. It was kind of like a Christian Woodstock. Thousands of college students from all over, the, all over the country came. They had been praying over this field for a year. They had built this wood tower, and people were rotating in the tower, praying over the field, praying over that time of worship. And in fact, Katie and I were recently asked, uh, what was your favorite memory as a couple? And we had never talked about this or considered it, but we both answered with that moment. It was just such a powerful marking moment. I remember running down this field with her as worship was starting, uh, just feeling this sense of freedom. Uh, I guess part of growing up Baptist, I had never raised my hands in worship. Uh, I wasn't all that expressive, didn't even feel too comfortable singing out loud, much less shouting or something like that. And I just remember that moment in worship feeling totally free, surrounded by thousands of people, yet somehow having this emotional, spiritual encounter with God. I had encountered the power of the Holy Spirit for the first time, and I felt it. I didn't have language for it. I didn't even know how to talk about it. In fact, at that, at that worship gathering, Katie received a prayer language, which some of you have. Another thing I had never heard or experienced being Baptist. And so I laid hands on Katie and prayed that by the power of the Holy Spirit, he would take that away. <laughs> I, I was like, I don't know what that is, but you're going to need to stop that. <laughs> and so a couple years later, I then prayed that God would bring it back. Right. And he did. But initially it freaked me out. Right. I had never experienced anything like that. I don't know what you're doing with your mouth, but you need to stop that. Okay. Right? Man, the Holy Spirit can, can feel that way at times when you don't have any context for experiencing it yourself. And I see that every weekend here at Seacoast. Folks, whether they maybe grew up Catholic or never went to church or have been out of church for a long time, they'll show up here at the Mount Pleasant campus or I'll talk with them in the chat online. They're sitting in their living room and somehow in worship, they feel something. Man, their, their hearts open up. There's tears rolling down their cheek. It's like they, they felt something that they don't have language for for the first time and are like so moved and marked by it. The experience for the disciples was actually very similar to that. They had walked with Jesus for three years, seen him do amazing things, witnessed his, his death and his resurrection. And Jesus told them, do not leave Jerusalem until you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You will be clothed with power from on high. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So they wait there in Jerusalem, and just like Jesus said, the Holy Spirit shows up and lands on each of them as tongues of fire and then sends them out to do the miraculous in his name for his glory, to raise the dead, to give sight to the blind, to do amazing things. And the rest of the New Testament is all about the disciples, all about the believers trying to figure out what does life look like now due to the reality of the resurrection. Since we are a people who have been sent in his power, and, and Jesus said we would do even greater things than he did. It's like, man, when you read his word, to think that I'm supposed to be a guy that goes out into the world to do even greater things than Jesus did, I'm reminded of the story of the guy that was born blind. The disciples said, hey, who sinned? Was it this guy or his parents that he was born blind? And Jesus said, neither. This happened that God might be glorified, at which he kneels down in the dirt and spits, which is just a little odd, right? But I was thinking about this today. Dude was blind, so he didn't know that Jesus spit in the dirt, right? Unless he it was one of those like, like unless he heard it, right? 
but he spits in the dirt. The blind man can't see what's going on. I would imagine the disciples and everybody else are like, what is he doing? <laughs> you know, but he makes some mud out of his spit, gets up, wipes it in the guy's eye, tells him to go and, and wash himself off, and his sight is restored. And we are supposed to do a people that do even greater things than Jesus did. Well, man, as I think about my any given Tuesday, Wednesday, and evaluate my life. You know, the, the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. I would hope that for any of you who know me well, at some point, you have seen the fruit of the Spirit in and through my life in some measure. Right? The, 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 the fruit of the Spirit is the evidence that His Spirit is sealed inside of us, that in some way you've, you've seen or experienced those things through me. But what the disciples know is the same thing that you and I know, is that if I'm supposed to go and do even greater things than Jesus did, when I think about stories like him spitting in the dirt and rubbing it on the guy's eyes and him going to wash and being, being healed, I'm like, I don't have that kind of capacity. They did not have that kind of capacity, but with the Holy Spirit sealed inside of you and I, as much as our lives are to be marked by fruit, they're also supposed to be marked by power. God has sent us out as his ambassadors to do even greater things than he did. And for the disciples, the reality was there was no blueprint that Jesus left them as to exactly how they were supposed to go and do it. How do you go and make disciples of the whole earth? There was no folder, no file, right? The strategy was actually very simple. They were supposed to go and imitate Jesus. They were supposed to go and do the things that he did. And man, imitating Jesus, while it's what we're all about as believers, if I start to look at the, the moments of power, when am I ushering in healing or bringing about life through the power of God? It's like, man, I know I can't do those things, but God wants to do them through us. He's sending each of us out to a world that desperately needs him. One of my favorite stories in the book of Acts where we see this power being brought through is in Acts chapter 9. This is what it says. A woman who was a follower lived in the city of Joppa. Her name was Tabitha or Dorcas. I'm guessing she went by Tabitha most of the time, right? <laughs> Kids can be so harsh these days. Dork, us, <laughs> you know. That was a tough one. She did many good things and many acts of kindness. One day, she became sick and died. After they had washed her body, they laid her in a room on the second floor. The city of Lydda was near Joppa, and the followers heard that Peter was at Lydda and sent two men to ask him to come at once. Peter went back with them, and when he came, he took him, they took him into the room. All the women whose husbands had died were standing around crying. They were showing the clothes that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter made them all leave the room. Then they got, he got down on his knees and he prayed. He turned to her body and he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, looked at Peter and sat up. He took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then he called in the faithful followers and the women whose husbands had died. He gave them to her, a living person. News of this went all through Joppa and many people put their trust in the Lord. And what's wild about this, this isn't just a Bible story or a Jesus story. It's a disciple story. It's a Peter story. It's a potential for you and I story. But if we're going to experience the power of God at work in our hearts and at work in the lives of others, 
through us, then we've gotta have the faith to imitate Jesus. Man, a simple word that can be much more difficult than it seems. So what does it look like for us to imitate Jesus? A couple thoughts for us, the first of which, I can best imitate Jesus when I, number one, watch closely. When I watch closely. Man, I think about Peter, a disciple following Jesus, and picture him walking behind Jesus, taking in all the amazing things that he's doing, watching closely. And what's interesting about this passage in, in Acts chapter 9 is that this was not Peter's first rodeo. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus did almost the exact same thing. And what we see Peter walk out in Acts chapter 9 is the exact behavior of Jesus. This is what it says. Jesus uh, was out one day, Jairus, a synagogue ruler, his daughter was sick. They sinned for Jesus just like they had sent for Peter. And it says, he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at them. After he had put them all out, he took the child's father, mother, and the disciples who were with him, and they went in to where the child was. Now, what's interesting to me about this story, both for Jesus and for Peter, is that they asked everyone to leave the room. What's interesting about the miraculous, about the power of God, the ministry of Jesus, man, it was never about flash. It wasn't about the show. If you watch a magician these days, if I was going to make this podium disappear, right? I would, I would come up with some kind of cape, you know, flash it over there. It was there. Now it's gone. You know, the sleight of hand, the turn of the cape. Oh, the applause. Like, it's all about the show. But for Jesus, for Peter, the power of God wasn't flashy. It wasn't about, even for the resurrection, no one was there to witness it, right? They sent everyone out of the room to bring about the power of God. There was no show that they were putting on. This is my son, Anthem. He is six years old now. And from the time he was two, that cat has always been underfoot. If I'm building something, painting something, digging a French drain, he's going to be right there under me doing exactly whatever it is that I'm doing. I have to have him a few scrap boards and a few extra tools. He'll pretend he's building something. He's banging on things. Now that he's a little bit older, if I'm doing any project with a drill, I'll finish using the drill. I'll sit it down. He's like, Dad, Dad, I need the drill. I need the drill. You know, he's like, my ass, not quite how you use it, but okay. You know, like, but he's watching closely, doing exactly what he sees his dad doing because he realizes I've got some skill. I've got some efficiency that if he'll watch carefully, he can have it as well. So he'll get nails and screws and bolts, and he would be banging the bolt with a hammer. It's not going in, Dad. It's not going in. I was like, well, it's a bolt. you got to use the nail. You know, like he can be in proximity to me and be watching me, but not be watching closely and miss out on the efficiencies. If we're going to imitate Jesus, we have to be a people who, who watch closely. I think about the story uh, when Jesus, when the adulterous woman was brought and thrown into the middle of this circle of people, right? They're all going to stone her because she was caught in the act. And Jesus steps in to the circle. And in every gospel occurrence, it says he knelt down and he wrote in the sand. And I'm thinking like, what did he write in the sand? You know, like not one of you saw. And we don't know why it doesn't tell us, but 
one thought I had is that, man, if I'm the disciples, if this woman's been brought into this, this circle, it's a hostile moment. People are holding stones. They were going to stone her. If I'm the disciples, I'm thinking like, I'm going to stand on the outside of this circle. You know, like I'll watch Jesus from a distance. You know, I don't want to get too close to that. Right. Could it be like if you're watching from a distance, you're not going to pick up on nuance. You're not going to pick up on detail. You're going to be hitting a bolt with a hammer. Right. And it's not going to work. I don't know why they, that no one mentions what was written in the sand, but I do know you can be physically present close enough to see and not watch. How many of you know there's a difference between the two? Katie and I love to go people watching. We'll go downtown Charleston, grab a seat on a bench, and it's just fun to watch, you know, what people wear, how people act. You can see 10 people pass and hear 10 different languages. Uh, it's, just, it's just fun, right? Have you ever been people seeing? No. <laughs> like, you can see cars pass you in your periphery, you can see a swarm of kids playing on a, on a field, but you watch yours. Seeing is passive, requires no work on your part. As long as your, your eyes are functional and you're not blind, it's like you see all kind of stuff, but to watch requires a degree of intentionality that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean in. I'm going to look at detail. I'm going to look at nuance. I'm going to store that away in the event that I find myself there doing it. What would it look like for you to watch Jesus closely. You know, for some of you, it might look like reading your, reading your Bible in 3D. You know, oftentimes we can treat this book like it's a history book, but it's actually living and active. God wants to captivate your imagination. It's one of the things I love about the Chosen TV series. Seeing Jesus walk around, having conversation with the disciples. We read, he went to Joppa or he went to Jerusalem. And you don't think like, man, that was a six hour walk. What did they talk about? You know, for so long, the TV show fills in some of those gaps and it's fascinating to me. Maybe for you to watch closely the next time you open his word. If Jesus knelt down in a circle, you would take just a minute and kneel down and close your eyes. Try to imagine what did the disciples see? What must that have been like? How must they have felt to step into that moment? You know, watch closely if we're going to imitate him. Another thing that you can do is watch people closely, the men and women of God in your life. Who are the people that God has brought around you? And what kind of fruit do you see on them? Is there something that they seem to embody that you want? Maybe it's a, a boldness or, or they're just not offendable somehow. It's like, man, they're so gracious all the time, regardless of how they're treated or they're so generous. And you would say, man, I want that. Well, watch them closely. If we're going to imitate Jesus, we have to, number one, watch closely. Number two, we have to listen carefully. We have to listen carefully. My son, Anthem, uh, he watches us carefully. Lately, Katie has been doing this ice face bath thing. She'll fill up this tray of ice and water, and she'll dip her head in the ice tray. And I'm not exactly sure what it does, but uh, Anthem's been watching. And so this morning, I wake up about 530 I walk in the kitchen. This cat is fully dressed and he's standing over an ice tray with his face in the water. It's still black outside. Like, I was like, Anthem, what are you doing? It's like, it helps us wake up. You know, I'm like, <laughs> so I go about getting ready. I'm about to walk out the door. And this is the case every weekend. And this man, you talk about watching closely every weekend, no matter what time, dad, you're going to church in the morning. What time? What time are we going? 
You know, he'll want to be here the moment I'm here and he'll stay with me all day. Well, yesterday I had told him, buddy, daddy's preaching tomorrow. I don't have the capacity to parent and prep for a marriage. You're going to have to stay with mom. Well, I had told him that, right? Well, he was not listening carefully. And so after his ice bath, when I left this morning, homeboy fell apart. Let go. I got to stay here for two more hours. You know, like in this house. It's like, man, you can be close to people. You can be listening to them, but not hear them. How many of you know there's a big difference between listening and hearing? I can be in the house and hear a noise, right? A door creak, a a footstep. I, I hear something. And even right now, as long as you're not hard of hearing, like you hear my voice. But as soon as you think you hear something in the house, then all of a sudden you're breathing quiet. You sit up. You're listening. Man, did I just hear something? You start saying dumb stuff. I'm going to get my gun. (laughs) I don't even have a gun, right? You better be careful. I know you're there. (laughs) You at home all by yourself. I'm like a bozo. We've got to listen carefully. We live in a world where it's difficult to listen. I'll be cooking. Katie and I like cauliflower pizza. So I'll be cooking me up a pizza, a little late night snack, you know? And uh, Katie will say, I'll be doing something. The number of times Katie said, hey, save me a piece of that pizza. I'm like, all right, yeah. And then she'll come back by and the pizza's gone. She's like, did you not hear me say, save, save me a piece of the pizza? I was like, my, my bad. <laughs> right? like, we can just be easily distracted. We can hear and not be listening. Well, what's unique to uh, the Jesus story, continuing it in Mark chapter five, after he had sent everyone out of the room, it says, he took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kuam, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. So man, for, for Jesus, Talitha Kuam, two words. For Peter, same thing. He knelt, took her by the hand, two words, get up. There's no need for us when we want to experience the power of God or when God's placed us in a circumstance where we need to be the ones to pray for healing, to pray for breakthrough, to pray for life in dead places. We can feel like we need to innovate. I need to add to what Peter said here, because if I just said two words, they're going to be like, what now? Right. I hear people pray sometimes and they'll have They'll quote all this scripture and they'll know the scripture references, which I struggle so much with. It'll sound like this, like spiritual power poem, right? But for Jesus, for Peter, for you and I, man, for us to imitate, we can boldly declare two words in faith, be healed, get up, right? And not feel the pressure to innovate. We have got to be a people who listen carefully. In Genesis 3, 1, this has been modeled for us from the garden. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say that? You must not eat from any tree in the garden. See, the reality for us, the importance of listening carefully is because we have an enemy and his only purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy He's going to want to snatch the word of God spoken to you. He's going to want to twist it or pervert it. So it's so important. If we're going to imitate Jesus, we have got to be a people who watch closely, who pick up on nuance and detail of his ways. But we've also got to be a people who listen carefully. 
Don't just hear the word of God. Don't just pick up on the message and the noise, but listen carefully. How does a young man keep his way pure? Scripture says by hiding God's word in your heart. If we will listen carefully to the word of God, man, we'll hide it in our heart. It'll guide our ways. We will walk in his power. So I can best imitate Jesus when I, number one, watch closely. Number two, listen carefully. And number three, act boldly. Act boldly. James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Yes, this means loving our, our neighbor. Yes, it means praying and forgiving and giving and, and walking out the truth of God's word. But it also means being a people who carry the power of God, that we would step into a, a hurting world and allow the spirit of God to work both in us and through us, that others might encounter the power of God and the love of God for themselves. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And when I think about Peter, the number of times in the gospels, think about when Jesus was arrested and he, he pulls out his sword and chops the guy's ear off. Peter had always been one to kind of lash out, act out. He was already a, a bold guy. But man, in his journey of watching Jesus, of listening carefully, of, of following him, Man, we see him go from this guy who lashed out to a guy whose, whose spirit was under control. He was fully surrendered. And all throughout the book of Acts, he's now the guy who would be willing to boldly stand up and declare God's truth. And thousands come to know him. He's the guy who's willing to step in and act boldly to bring about life in dead places. You and I can do that as well. James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Man, it can be a scary thing for you to just evaluate your life, your, your home, your workplace, some of your relationships. Chances are you can identify some places and points where the power of God is needed. Well, is it possible that God has positioned you here in this place and this time because he's inviting you to be a conduit of his power? I mean, you're going to feel weak. You're going to feel incapable. You're going to feel like I can't do that. I've never even experienced that. But could it be that God's wanting to use your weakness as the platform for his perfect power? That you would step forward in faith and see God do something both in and through you. You know, they say imitation is the greatest form of flattery. Meaning when we watch people, when we listen to them, and then we, we start to walk in whatever it is they do. It's the greatest way to honor somebody. When I first started communicating here at Seacoast, I felt like I was a 60-40 speaker. Like 60% of the time, it was pretty good. 40% of the time, even I left questioning, what did I just talk about? You know, I don't even know what that was. And so when I started, I, I just said, I'm going to do whatever Pastor Greg says. So I would present my outline. Here's what I'm thinking. He would say, hmm, what if you said it this way or moved this here or did that? And there was never pushback. I was like, all right, I'll do it. Because I saw in him effectiveness and power. It was spirit-filled, but not spooky. It was practical. People encountered God. I was like, man, that's what I want. So I imitated him. We imitate the people that we're closest to, that we, we respect. We went on an executive team retreat this week and played basketball a lot. And Pastor Sam Leske 
He said, I'm going to put Harden on you. I'm going to put Harden on you. And he would do a step back and jumper, right? Imitating James Harden. Now we know Sam Lesky, you know James Harden, but still <laughs> James is effective, right? And so, so he was imitating that. Man, we tend to do that. We saw the disciples imitate Jesus. I see my kids imitate me. I imitated my dad. My dad was such a hard worker. And he, he never had devotionals or lessons for me about working hard because he'd lived it. And so to this day, I would say, man, it's something I pride myself and I work hard. And our firstborn, Anna Jay, I see that in her. Man, she'll stay up till one o'clock in the morning, get up at five in the morning to drive back to Columbia for classes, deprive herself of sleep. And what I've realized lately is both for good and for bad, we imitate those that we're closest to. And so I've had to tell Anna Jay, you know what? I don't think that in my desire to be a hard worker that I've really modeled sleep well for you. And now that you're, y'all laugh, <laughs> that's for real. And now that she's out of the house, she doesn't get to see it as up close for me. So I told her like, hey, let's start holding each other accountable. How much sleep do we need to get? What time do we need to go to bed? Like we need to rest in the power of God. His grace can make up for the places where we are lacking. We imitate those that we're closest to. And I can't help but wonder like, man, if we could get closer to Jesus, if we could watch him carefully, almost like like. 3D, right? If we, could, if we could see Jesus, if we could listen carefully, man, these stories of the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, I don't want to get to heaven and, and have to look back at everything that I left on the table, stuff that God could have done through me, would have done through me had I only had the faith to step up, step out, and imitate him. Church, the world needs it, a broken, lost, fallen world that desperately needs the love of God, and we have got the keys. But it's going to look like not some immaculate strategy, some crazy plan, but us stepping forward to imitate our Savior. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this time today. And I'm thankful, God, for your word. I'm thankful for your grace for me. And, and just pray right now for my unbelief, for our unbelief, for the places in our lives where you're inviting us to steward the power of God. You want us to step in, and it may not look like spitting in the dirt and rubbing it in somebody's eyes, but it will look like stepping into places of weakness, places of fear, knowing that our capacity is limited and trusting in an almighty God who wants to use us to bring life into dead places and to do things only you could get the credit for. So as much as our lives, I pray that they're marked by the fruit of the Spirit, might our lives also be marked by the power of your Spirit. That we would know you, that we would be close to you, that we would be watching and listening and acting, that we would be your hands and feet. In Jesus' name, amen.